What's up, everybody? Wanted to give you guys a few updates before we get into this podcast episode with Amanda. Um, we have some next gen updates. There's some amazing progress being made. Um, some features I want to pass along from Megan and team. So there's a new feature in there um, where you select the defect comments. The selected defect comments now move to the top of the list of comments once the item is navigated out of. So this maintains the order when they move. So this is only on mobile now, it's coming to the web soon, but this is a, a big happiness feature that I've heard a lot of inspectors say changes the game for them. Another one is bulk selection um, in the templates. So it's like bulk selecting comments to move, duplicate um, some template magic stuff. I've, I've heard a few comments that said this is saving them hours already um, a week in terms of editing the template. So that's really cool. Um, and then now you can report new defects on reinspections with NextGen. So this has been in the making for a while now. So this is uh, for you, those of you that do lots of reinspects, this is pretty big. Um, previously, it was only defects copied from the previous report, which ultimately isn't that helpful because you're ideally, um, you know, seeing something new or comparing the the defect on the reinspect. So um, some other some other notes from NextGen to update you guys on 99.8% crash free on the latest version. So a lot of you, if you tried it months ago, six months ago, um, drastically different experience now. So I encourage everyone to check that out. Um, about 5,000 inspections a month are being completed on NextGen. So that's um, good validation there. Lots of, lots of happy inspectors using it. Um, it's faster for sure, supports more of the style of reporting I like, heavy on photos and videos. That's a quote from an inspector. Um, another quote, constant upgrades are making the app better and better. It's become faster. Um, next quote, I feel like it saves me time, loads fast, and auto-sync is amazing. Next Gen app has many small fixes, dragging photos, multiple apps working on the same report, tons of little new stuff, much more efficient. So um, lots of great work has been done on this um, behind the scenes. A lot of times you guys don't hear or see a lot of the little fixes that are happening week after week, not only on NextGen, but on the core app. Um, Megan's, Megan's getting better, and we've talked a lot about promoting these little happiness features like bulk editing in the template, um, like floating the comments to the top. Lots of cool little things that I think have uh, been asked for for a while, um, but I think ultimately lead to a better experience on the core app that everyone can use and enjoy. So um, some good updates there. So to this conversation with Amanda, she she's a joy to talk with. I've known her for years. We've we've exchanged emails for years. I think I initially sent her a sales email to try to get her on Spectora years ago. Um, again, another another female in this industry, and we don't have enough of them for sure. But um, she's been great, and she talks about training. We talk about the interest rate environment because um, this was back over the summer. So remember, this is before uh what we know now about the impact of interest rates um she talks about her truck fleer cameras she takes a live call um from an agent in the pod so that's a fun little treat where she, you see how she interacts with agents so that's uh that's never happened before um and then we just do some brain some fun brainstorming on how we can improve the software how she can kind of grow her company where she wants to take it so hope you enjoy this one um it's another good one and again i'm getting caught up publishing um, a ton of episodes. We're now into December and everyone's feeling kind of the impact of higher interest rates, a slowing environment. So again, I encourage everyone to keep reaching out to your network, your community, um, the Spectora user group, right into our team um, for anyone that is thinking about how to navigate this winter and kind of this storm 
whether that be keeping in touch with agents. We've got a couple um, products in beta, Spectora Local and our mass emailing tool, all designed to help you guys stay top of mind with agents, get more reviews, increase your presence digitally. Um, all things worth thinking about in terms of uh, coming into 2023 with it being a challenging environment. But um, I think there's ways to to get through this and um, stay top of mind with agents because this will turn, um, you know, as of this taping, interest rates have floated back down to, you know, just north of 6% on the 30-year fix, which I think is a positive sign that they didn't keep running, running away above 7%. So, um, all right. Enjoy the episode, y'all. Well, thank you, first of all, for the reschedule. Um, you know, my schedule goes into chaos every month or two. And then um, I got to start blocking off time specifically for the pod because um, it gets just overrun sometimes when I let other people schedule on my calendar. Do you have a weird cyclical schedule? More of just flurries of the team needing me and certain types of meetings and like, say, you know, end of quarter. It just, it all goes to, oh, to yeah. crap sometimes. It so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like your guys is necessarily where it's like, uh, but similar. You run on a different school. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat long overdue. We've, we've exchanged emails going back, I think years um, over the website. Like, I think I did a website review at one point. We talked yes. about the site. Wow. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. You try to link me up with. Um, like, yeah. The name eludes me, but we, we can chat Nita about Davidson. Yep. We can chat about Nita a bit too. Um, really cool stuff. So we can cover it all, but um, I'm mostly just curious what, what's, uh, what's up with you lately in terms of current market environment, the business. Um, you know, I refreshed the website. looks like you got, got yourself a nice little team now. I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> What's that like? You know, it's funny. My wife yells at me. She says, you know, babe, you were so happy to and not have employees when you started this business but i i mean there's too much possibility in here and i couldn't just leave it on the table i just didn't feel okay leaving that many inspections that i could not satisfy on the table saying no and, right? and there's so many women especially in this city that can do this job yes. but that might not be able to feel easy enough doing it on their own so being able to give them a platform to be able to step into it, for, I mean, it, it I, I, I couldn't say no to it. I, well, I didn't want to say no to it. Was the, was the vision and plan kind of always to stay solo um, and do that? It was, it was a nice break. I've, up until now, I've been in food service businesses. I've owned wholesale baking companies, retail, farmers, like I've done so many different functions and forums of food service and that includes a lot of staff so having goodness what was it nine months of, of only having to pay myself was really nice beautiful I bet yeah and no phone calls and no questions and like I could address everything and for me like getting started that was essential to be able to just get my feet Let's take a trip down memory lane and talk through the the history of, of the food service world. So how did you how did you even get into all that? And because that's not a typical path, I will tell you. Uh, no, in it's our not. Business. No. <laughs> but, not yeah, even take slightly. us through the uh, the history here of kind of how you how you're at where you're at. So way back, my dad was a contractor. He was a general contractor. He was a great builder, but a terrible businessman. Just terrible. Um, yeah, really common. common for yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially for people who are working the thing that they love. They love the thing. They don't necessarily address the business part. Um, So I grew up in, you know, framed houses. Like my job as a kid was (laughs) I would go, I would go through the, these houses after the electricians had been through. And my job was to pick up all the knockouts. And to this day, when I see a metal knockout on the floor, I'm like, oh, it's a quarter. (laughs) It's not a quarter. Like my mind knows it's not a quarter. But my but my childhood brain it thinks it's a quarter still, so like I just I grew up on the field in the field. He went bankrupt. My parents divorced. He moved away, so that stopped when I was like ten. Mm-hmm. Um, then high school, I was you know after school jobs. I jumped on with a deli, and the deli was overstaffed in the front and understaffed in the back one day. So they told me to go back and to help the, the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And since like I was stuck. At that point, and until I, till 40, till I was 42, I was stuck in food service. Ooh, yeah. that's a long yeah. career in food service. Yeah, yep. Oh, yeah, it was, it was very long. But you, and, you, I'm guessing you gained some specialties, though, and gained some areas of expertise kind of in the back yeah. to where you were like, you know what, just keep doing this. Well, the truth of food service is that if you own or run any of them, you better be prepared to do minor plumbing, minor electrical. <laughs> a decent amount of repairs or you're going to be paying for those and it's expensive to hire anyone else to do it like minor appliance repair all of it right you just like you either do it or it can bring you down in a hurry talking thousands of of visits probably yeah Yeah. and at the same time it it worked well enough to afford me the ability to be able to buy i bought and renovated and turned four different houses and i did most of the work myself just because i knew how to mess it up and fix it on my own well enough and I ended up with a pretty decent knowledge base that was very broad which like to me in my mind that path was what gave me the knowledge base to be able to do this Mm. because I had to figure out how to do a little bit of everything yeah so so you so you flipped four homes uh up in the Portland area yep yep the biggest one was a 28 acre tree farm with a abandoned foreclosed 70s split pitch cabin that oh. was just full of spiders and mice oh. and i redid the entire thing over a single winter it was just spectacular and during winter yes, wow. during winter. yeah but I'm, i imagine that was pretty pretty fruitful um given oh, yeah. you know the market's been great um over the years up there that's awesome so what what eventually led to the the aha moment to get into home inspections. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine running a restaurant and then uh, being like, you know what? I'm going to expect homes. I mean, that's that was what my brain did, but I just couldn't get out of the business to be able to do it. So when we bought, my ex-wife and I bought a second home, goodness, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the, the inspector that did it, he and I, like I went in the crawl space. I was that annoying customer. I went in the crawl space with him. And came out and was like, I could do this. Like, I could, yeah. I could do this without a doubt. And spent the next 20 years building up a better knowledge base and weaning myself off of food service. And the transition was never going to be easy. Right. Because they're so different. But my brain is always the kind of brain that will, it will make those big transitions as safely as possible. So I weaned off of food while I was working on, you know, like 
I had my name done. I had my business name registered. I had my website developed. I had my logo. Like I had done all of that fun footwork because I think that's fun um, before I sold my last food service business. So and like then, years, years in the making. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. definitely. And I was like talking to my realtor friends and like building up. I was fleshing it out before it even existed. And mm. then fortunately, unfortunately, I got breast cancer three years ago. And the last surgery that I had was that time where I was going to be out for six weeks and I couldn't do anything. Like I, I could not move my arms. The best I could do was like alligator arms. And it was like, that's exactly what you need to be able to study for your home inspector test. You forced into it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I couldn't do anything else. So I might as well do that. So I spent those couple, those, you know, all those weeks going through that exam and took the test and passed it the first time. And then I hit the ground running, sold my last business and then COVID happened. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, well, first of all, uh, I imagine, um, recovery you've, you made it through survived, right? So congrats on that. So, and and fingers crossed never comes back. Right. Um, fingers crossed science uh, has gotten very good at these things. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, when did, when did you officially start the business or get in and, and say, I'm goodness, gonna... what was it going to be? I sold my last business January of 2020. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I think I had my first inspection March of 2020. I think, so, I think that's how that went. So you sold the restaurant, closed, got the check and everything January, 2020. <laughs> I like I couldn't have I couldn't have timed that better had I known what was coming. Right. And you probably I would have I would have literally given that business away for five dollars. After knowing what you knew, right? After March, April. Yeah. Yeah. Like knowing that everything was gonna shut down, I would have I it would have been an abandoned storefront. Wow. That is uh, uh, hey. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like selling, Ooh. you know, it's like selling anything. It's like you, you can't, it's a marketplace. You can't feel too bad for, for the buyer. Cause yep. you know, they didn't know. Yep. No, but I also like for the first year, I didn't accept a payment because I was carrying the contract. So I didn't accept, I, I didn't take a single payment for the entire first year of COVID so that they could survive. And do you know, do you know how that's turned out? Have they? They're doing okay now. There's been a, you know, they've pivoted, they've opened their doors again. They were really strict for a long time. Like, you know, everyone in Portland, all the businesses did like, did the really hard turn of all to go. Like you close the doors, you put a thing in the door with a takeout window and you're all takeout. Yeah. And and the hustle just got five times harder. And it was a hard hustle to start with. Wow. Um, what was that like for you after all those years? Like, did you take a deep breath and like, let the shoulders down of like, I'm no longer. I mean, I kind of had to, excuse me. It's very rude. Um, I kind of had to because COVID happened and, you know, real estate for what was it? Three months kind of went blank. And then realtors pivoted hard and took off like a shot. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty, it was quiet, but I was, I was lucky in that I had a, I had, my ex-wife had a salon for me to build during the first few months of COVID. So I was isolated and busy and building. And then I had a friend who had just bought a house and she wanted me to attend to all of her home inspection checklist. So I worked on these two houses 
for the first three months waiting for my first few inspections to come through. Like, like the timing was amazing. I was just about to say, you can answer that call because it's a rule on an inspection podcast. So you can always answer it if it's an inspection call. <laughs> so we can always do that. We can always go that, answer that. Um, so you were networking with agents well before this. So what, what was the mentality like though, February, March, April, in terms of getting in front of those agents, letting them know you're open for business, kind of walk, walk us through that. Cause that's always fascinating. I think new inspectors always like hearing this. I mean, I was, I've never been a hard sale person. It's, I don't like it coming at me. So I don't give it back when it comes, when a hard sale comes at me, I push back. And so it's just never been my person to, to push. Um, I had a bunch of realtors that were regulars of my last business. So they would come through and I would be like, you know, for the, the year ahead of it, I'd be like, you know, I'm looking at doing this thing. Talk to me about it. So by the time that transition happened, I had a couple of people that were waiting for me to get licensed. Okay. And, you know, it, it's, I, I'm in a very very helpful city to be a woman in trades mm -hmm. there's like this city really picks up and carries its women trades people so as soon as I had um, well the first uh, actually it, the fun joke was my first six months I was being hired exclusively by um butch lesbian realtors <laughs> and it, was, <laughs> right. it, it I, I laughed about it constantly. And then I found this one realtor, a friend of mine said, hey, I have a friend who's, she's new to realty, but she, she's moving fast. Mm -hmm. Do you want her contact? And I was like, sure, absolutely. Of so called her, excuse me, called them. And I did one inspection for them and it was for some dear, dear friends, which is always a little bit nerve wracking. Well, right. especially when you're new, but it, you know, it's a little different. Like when now. it's their dear friend, you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, realtor, realtors family. Like there's, I have a couple of realtors who they don't use me for their clients, but they always call me for their family. <laughs> Wait, so you're, yeah, you're good enough for their family, but not, yeah, that, it's like, that doesn't make sense. Hold on a minute. Um, but we did one inspection together and they said like, you're my, you're my new inspector. And since then they have done, I'm at 62 with them. Wow. In that much time. So it was a really fortuitous connection to have made. Um, and then since then, it's just snowballed. You know, they work in an agency that was very young and growing very fast. So I picked up a couple of other ones. And like, I haven't, the only advertising that I've paid for is business cards. <laughs> That's amazing. First of all, congratulations. I, I'm always fascinated to, to have you self-reflect on what your kind of personal brand is and like how you interact with people for someone to want to introduce you to someone like that, because that doesn't just happen either. Right. Sometimes. So like one, I guess my first question is always, what do those realtors say about their existing inspectors when you talk to them? Cause there's always some commentary usually around like, oh, I got a guy, but you know, there know. was <laughs> for a minute for the first couple of months. No, for probably the first year and a half, quite frankly, especially through the election, there was a lot of inspectors there was a lot of realtors here that were like, I had a, my old inspector wouldn't wear a mask or when he did wear a mask, he would show up in a Trump mask and it put off a lot of people. Would not jive. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Well I mean, in this, in this market, you, you can't be, I mean, if you're going to be a good old boy driving in from out in the country, you've got to be very aware of the market that you're playing in. You're in Portland. Oregon. And a lot yes. of them, yeah. yeah, a lot of them <clears throat> weren't. So they lost a lot of business there. 
and then there was just there was a lot of pent-up demand for woman inspector because a lot of the medium even the big medium-sized firms really wanted to have that contact in their rolodex because I mean, there's a lot of women buyers that don't want a dude to know the house they're about to buy better than they do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real thing and they don't feel comfortable with that. So having a woman be able to roll through and to have that safety, it was invaluable to a lot of, to a lot of realtors. And I imagine the like communication styles too matter because um, we've talked about this dynamic maybe once or twice on the pod, but like how you know, a male inspector typically will speak to maybe like, uh, the male, if it's a, if it's a male, female couple, they'll address the male. And, uh, and that's just always very demeaning and, and disrespectful to a degree. And so for anyone that even pays attention to that dynamic is ahead of the game because it, the bar was so low, right? <laughs> there's so many, I've, there's a bunch of reviews in my Google reviews that speak to that. Exactly. Really? But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So treaty, yeah, and it's just the assumption, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I'm, I fall in that category of like, my wife knows our home better than me. She's better at doing half the stuff in the house than me. Yep. So it's like, yep. you can't assume. I mean, you really yep. can't. I mean, you can, but there might be a consequence. True, very true. Yeah. <laughs> you can assume all day long, but you're going to be wrong a lot of the time. And you, you strike me also as having a calming kind of presence too. Has anyone, have they, have they ever mentioned that too? Because you're, pointing out things that are wrong for a living yes but you well, seem to have this kind of calm about you <clears throat> there's one of the practices that I picked up early and it was I did it partly for myself and partly I mean it was it it was kind of an accident when I would go into a wrap-up I would always sit on the floor and it was always adorable how often everyone like they would look at each other and then they would also sit on the floor but it brought it down to this very calming place where like if you're otherwise, because most of us are otherwise going to stand, you know, with your wide stance, standing up with your arms, Arm, yeah. with your arms folded. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what it's going to cost me. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I love that stance, but it doesn't, it doesn't read well. So I would either sit on the floor, sit on the mantle um, somewhere, but it just brought everything a little bit down. Cause I mean, this is a, it's a very nerve-wracking exchange for so many buyers. And then I do a really good, I put a lot of emphasis on my primer, on my like introductory speech, mm -hmm. because there's a lot to attend to. There's a lot of assumptions and I built it so that it had a lot of loose ends. So like, here's what it is that I'm doing. And it's, you know, we're making observations, you know, there's no pass fail that one gets addressed with first time buyers because there's still that assumption. People still Google that a lot, by the way, like Google, I, oh. I, I check search volume. <laughs> <laughs> if inspectors out there think they don't need to like address this basic, people still believe it's pass fail. Yes. And you know, I, when I, when I include that comment for first time buyers, my comment is, you know, there is no pass fail. If there were every house would fail because there's going to be something in every house well, and I try like I, I really if the if the mood fits it one of the things that I think that women have a bit of a beat on is that we've gotten out of survival instinct or necessity really good at reading a room mm. so like we'll, we'll read the room see how everyone's feeling and tailor that introductory to the to the feel in the room if I can get a laugh out of somebody, I like I it it's gold. 
yeah. and it's not a laugh at it's just a laugh at like this is an insane transaction that you're in the middle of you're spending like and for two years most people were spending five hundred thousand dollars on a house that they had been in for 10 minutes that's insane you gotta make a call on it yeah based on that yep so you're relying on me to be your eyes way more than in markets before i'm a we say the word empathy almost on every episode now because it's just a, a a theme and a concept our industry typically had not thought of or talked about a lot but the fact <laughs> the, <laughs> try to put this as you know you know nicely as possible but the fact that you're talking about reading the room as opposed to um the stubbornness that some folks in our industry will have of like this is the way i do it regardless of the human being that you know or beings that are across from you where did you come up with the sit down thing? Because to me, that's such an amazing, simple hack. Like it's, it, Again, nothing. it was an accident. It was an absolute accident. Cause my first few inspections, like it's nerve wracking as hell. And that introductory speech is particularly nerve wracking because I was never good at standing in front of a crowd and talking. So doing that, even, even in front of a person, knowing that they're keyed up, they're like, Ugh. yeah. For me, sitting down made me feel calm. Oh, okay. And it just happened to make other people feel calm too. So the first time you did it, were you like, please sit down, client? Please sit <laughs> no, down. I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I always, I'm like, you know, everyone says like, do you want to have a seat? And I'm like, no, actually, I've always been that kid that loves sitting on the floor. So I would just sit on the floor against a wall. And it just, it's casual. I love because it. Because if it. you can present this, because it can be a casual exchange of information. It's going to be bad news to some degree or another. If you can make bad news delivery casual and God forbid funny, like you're going to, you're going to end up with a repeat client. There's just something so approachable and like chill about sitting there cross-legged with each other, just discussing the home. You know, we're just talking about the home. Mm -hmm. Here's what I found. I'm I'm, I'm, going to find something. Yeah. (laughs) Going to do it. I just love that tone, the, the vibe that it sets. So, um, okay. So that, that gives, that paints a great picture of kind of your brand and tone and everything, which obviously has jived really well with, uh, with agents. So when things started picking up, at what point were you like, oh, this is, this is, this is working. Fast. This is, this is going to be a like, thing. By the time I hooked up with you, because when I first started, I had cobbled together some semblance of report writing, scheduling, payment and it was like three different systems that kind of work together but not great and and then I found you and I was terrified to drop a thousand bucks but then I did it and it just I I don't know if it was the timing or the reports I'm going to guess it was a bit of both but it it just went like it it went fast and I could keep up with it my schedule kind of allowed for it like this business for my existence and our family's existence is ideal because we have two kids my wife works at um a hospital in the NICU she's a nurse okay and she was doing nights when she first started and when I first started she was in school so the fact that I know and then our kids were home because COVID so the fact that I could be away from the house for three and a half hours with travel time 
and then slot everything else in between the existence of our kids was invaluable. Like it, it was the only way that we were going to make a living. Right. At all. So, I mean, it was, and I got it to a point where in their school day, when they finally went back to school and it was only four days a week, Mm -hmm. I could do from the time I dropped them off to the time I picked them up, I could do two inspections on site and then I would get them home, feed them, put them in front of a show to wind down for the day, write half a report, <laughs> put them in bed and then write the other report and a half after they fell asleep. Half of which I was like on my laptop in the hallway while they were getting up out of bed. So I, it was just a burn. It was just a wild burn to be able to get this. How long did you do that for? How long were you in that? Long. (laughs) (laughs) Too long. (laughs) Well, first of all, I want to commend you and and, uh, anyone that has a spouse that has worked night shifts uh, because my my wife was a nurse in the ICU for nine years. And so um, let's just say there's there's certain days where you know things are going to go south when someone hasn't gotten sleep or... uh, (laughs) nights are so much harder than people realize i don't even i don't even know what that would be like to have your whole day and hormones and everything flipped and so there were certain days where it's like you know what sweetie you are right about everything yep i'm gonna go buddy i'm (laughs) gonna go do some dishes what do you need (laughs) (laughs) and Um, she's still working nights like she's going on to days in september i it's gonna it's yeah. I'm it's so been a few yeah. years now, and um, my wife feels like it's been a few years to even regulate her body back to like, oh, I'm awake when the sun's up, and I go to bed when the sun's down. Oh yeah, it gets in your system. It's messed yeah. up. It's a, it's not a schedule that humans were meant to keep. It's I, I I was almost I got to the point of almost being angry at one point with like the the shift work and the twelve hours of nurses. I'm like, how is this still a thing in this day? Yeah. They're just wrecking their bodies. Most of them love 12 hours though. They do. They love That's a 12. True. They love a 412. Yeah. They give, you know, they understand the give up, I guess. It's like, you're going to be wrecked for a day after yep. and then you can make it up with a day yep. off. I know. Nursing scheduling is, it's, to me, it's just bananas. Yeah. It's like the opposite of like a home inspector schedule. You're like, oh yeah. It's pretty damn good. This yeah. Is a pretty good schedule. Yeah. I know. Uh, so that's that's been our existence so it works but only barely yeah what point did it get to okay i have to say no to business i think i'm gonna expand and hire probably six months after i hooked up with you which was goodness gracious it's all so confusing time now i I knew that i had to start looking for someone probably a year and a half ago year and a half ago okay i had you know i've in the course of my career in food, I had trained a babillion people in like five minute training shifts and then threw them onto a, onto a counter shift. Like it was terrible because like, you know, it's a $5 exchange right. at worst. Like you're, the, the heat is off when you're training someone in food because most of the time they've been in food so they know how to do it. Right. And you can just throw them in and they'll either sink or swim. But this, because it's, you know, every exchange is $500 or more the training level was so much more intense than I'd ever known. So Marissa did ride alongs with me for six months and we incrementally, how'd you find her first of all? Friends of friends. This is a city that it is more about who, you know, than anything else. Really? And it's a very small, it's the biggest small town you're ever going to live in. It's a good one. No, here's a good one. Here's a good one. 
did a did an inspection on this ginormous 6,000 square foot house with a geothermal system, two HVAC systems, five sub panels. It was it was bonkers in this very fancy neighborhood. And I was telling a buddy of mine who's a contractor about it. And he's like, wait, was it white colonial with a garage and ADU on top? And I was like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I worked on that house. So he had done he had done all right. of the all the it. updates yeah. <laughs> that we had just inspected, and we like that happens constantly. The the circles in this city run very tight. Did you tell so, him that nothing came up on the report? His work was flawless, or did you? Well, actually, I I knew I I know his work level, and so I actually breathed the sigh of relief into me when I realized yeah. it was him because I didn't do that inspection. Marissa did. Yeah. So yeah, um, but I found her through friend of a friend, um. We talked for a minute over text and then we met and we had to make sure that our personalities jive. And it like, she's kind of another, she's like a mini me, but with, instead of food service experience, she was a nanny nice. and that's what afforded her her own. And then she opened her own um, handy person business okay. and she'd been doing that for a few years. So her, the difference between us primarily is that her approach in that introductory spiel is a little bit more it's a little softer and it's a little funner because uh -huh. she's doing it from like hey kids like let's go to the dentist like it's, <laughs> it's the delivery of bad news almost like it's you can tell ever so slightly that she'd been talking to children more than she'd been talking to adults doing bad news <laughs> and now at this point our realtors know like, hey, I've got a squirrely client. I'm going to go with Marissa now because she's a little softer in her delivery and you're a little more direct. Okay. And first time, I imagine that works well first time home buyers too. Younger, younger first timers or no? Depends on the personalities. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of them still want direct. I usually get a lot of the like scientists and mathematicians because they're like, you know, boop. and yep. she gets the ones that are a little more emotional and need a little more handholding. I love that because every time I hear that agents think this deeply about it, I, I'm always impressed and I always appreciate it because I know um, there's some agents that don't think this deeply about maybe their client's profile and, and how they could best be served. Some agents are just like, just get the inspection done and have just nothing. Go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah, get the inspection done, zero defects, cool. Um, it seems, that seems risky. <laughs> um, but I love that they care in that way and know your business in that way to where they can kind of tailor it. Um, so the training you said lasted like six months. Yep. And we slowly incrementally moved her up to where, you know, at first she was checking windows and, and receptacles. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, I was, I was shadowing her. And then I was for another four months, I read every one of her reports before she published them. And we went through it. Like I had her on speakerphone. We would go through everything piece by piece and make sure that she hit all those points and hit all her limitations. Um, so that those reports ended up as close to mine as they can. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want her to be me, but I want the reports to be of similar quality and, ca and you know, caliber. How difficult was it to do your job and to train, um, and to think about how to still grow the business? I mean, it wasn't fun, but it worked. <laughs> Did you just take the approach? Like, this is what needs to be done if we're going to. Yes, this is what needs <clears throat> Absolutely. And the benefit was that I could dial back to, I mean, I didn't do any more two a days. I would do one, two a day a week nice. and then, you know, and still be making almost as much because she'd be bringing an income on her own. Okay. So, and like, I wanted to have a better work-life balance, but I also love working. 
I love work. What do you love about it? Tell me, tell, tell us more. I like, well, I like making money. Let's not be, let's, let's, let's be truthful. I've never made, like, I've never seen this kind of profit margin in my life. Because what? if you think about food. Look where you came from. Yeah. Like, it, like of all the dollars that I get now, I have like 90 cents of them. And before I would get a dollar, 40% would go to food, 30% would go to staffing, 20% would go to rent. Like there's nothing left. So for me, this was just insane. So part of my my drive has just been watching what comes in and just marveling at it. Like inspection numbers, revenue. It's just like, I, it boggles my mind still. After that many years, you're probably looking around like, I get to keep most what of this? this? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> my, my CPA also wonders, like, where's all your write-offs, honey? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, um, that's that's and, hilarious. I, I guess I never thought about that flip from the restaurant industry. That's that's insane. Insane. Just bananas. Um, and I also like seeing progress. I love progress. I like watching things grow. I like building things because you can see something, you know, happen from nothing. I like progress. Like progress is what drives me as a person. And I know that like historically I'm, I haven't been balanced in my work life, but I love working and it feeds me in a way that not working doesn't necessarily calm me. So, I mean, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll balance it out somewhere, but not yet. This this does seem like an industry where you can have it all. You know, I I've seen it. I've seen companies where I'm like, wow, you seem like you've, you struck the balance. Like you're making good money. You're not killing yourself. And you're giving, you know, I'm giving a few people a a really good living, which to me is also very important. Cause if, you know, if you're living high off of someone else's poorly paid labor, it wouldn't feel, it wouldn't feel right for me. And I've never been able to pay people this much because I have the margin for it now. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's gratifying in a couple of ways. I love it. And you're doing it in the right way and you're supporting an underrepresented piece of the industry. Um, you know, I, I think of uh, Jen at Doyen Inspections in Austin when I think of um, someone that has conviction and kind of like the, this needs to change like the underrepresentation of literally anyone besides, a, you know, 50 plus year old white male in our industry. Yep. So yep. Um, just getting that opportunity and the, in the example it sets very cool. So can you speak a little, just, I mean, what that means to you and, you know, and how intentional you are around that? I mean, it's the existence I've lived. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times that I have walked into a Home Depot. One of my, it's a tagline that I've kind of been kicking around, but I don't think I'll ever pull the trigger on it. Something to the effect of, you know, why pay $500 to be mansplained to and you can go to Home Depot for free? <laughs> Pretty damn good tagline, by the way. It, it is, it's I know. Good. <clears throat> but I've watched women not get noticed in this business as clients. And it's just so tiring because it doesn't need to be this way. Like there's really, especially in this field, there's no barrier to entry on. Like, you don't have to be super strong. You got to be able to carry a ladder you we were really good communicators typically i'm going to say all this is typical but not consistent i'm not surefire attention to detail like it's the thing that we're really good at because we've had to pay attention like any woman who has walked across a dark parking lot 
knows that we pay attention You're aware. to Hyper. small indicators, to big problems. Right. So to me, this is a business where we're kind of tailor-made for it. And yet we are, goodness, what is it now? 20%? Are we about 18% of the market, I think? Something, something like that. And so it just, I mean, it just, there's no reason for it to not be different. And anything that I can do to move that needle, I'm going to do. With, with Nita Davidson, I've got, you know, every single inspection that I do, $5 of it goes to a fund to be able to give someone a paid for scholarship to her course. Beautiful. Because she's doing something even bigger and that she's bringing in people that have no, no or minimal trade background. So like starting from scratch and anywhere in the country because, you know, her course is online. Right. So to me, like just, that's just gold in, in the realm of bringing, you know, that equilibrium to something a little more equal. Yeah. Cause it's approachable. Like you said, low barriers to entry in most States, no license or in half the States, no licensing basically. So you're talking quick ramp time for anyone yeah. of all backgrounds yeah. to get into it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is it 18%? I didn't know it was that high. Uh, where did you, where that's that, why I'm saying maybe like, I haven't from? looked at stats lately, but I mean, I've got it. I've got it somewhere. I have, I included it in every one of my, my report writing emails and I've got those stats in there somewhere, but I okay. think they're probably a year old. Yeah. Cool. It's not high. It, it's probably not 18 and it might be 10 by now yeah i was I like when i, I look at it last, i think it was nine hey mm -hmm. hey yeah. well we're bringing it up we're we're knocking them out on the pod <laughs> you know we, i think we've had five six seven um just amazing women on the pod so i'm definitely all about it um any like you mentioned like the relationship with agents and just like the dynamic right and so it, what's interesting to me is like realtors aren't, aren't realtors like 60 or 70 percent female women yeah mm -hmm. and so yep. Um, can you talk a little bit about that just interesting dynamic and, and it's like flip-flopped almost. And so yep. I've just always found that fascinating because I was a, I was a realtor for five years in Denver and I kind of observed that as well. And I didn't know what to make of it at the time. Cause I wasn't, you know, in this industry, in the home inspection industry. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you make of that? And then is it, how do you use it to your advantage too? I, I like talking about how to use things to your advantage. Oh, absolutely. But it, interestingly enough, it's not necessarily an advantage when you're talking about a 67% women base because the few of the patterns that I've noticed is that I get, I have a much easier time with newer realtors, mm. older established realtors, especially, and I won't say especially, but older established realtors, they're used to a thing. They're used to a thing being, they're used to inspectors being a certain thing. And it's just that, just the muscle memory of it, moving out of that comfort zone, like to them, it's too much where like I'm a new report writing software. I'm a new kind of inspector. It's just too much. Right. And I, you know, a lot of very established realtors, I'll do three, maybe four inspections with them. And then I won't hear from them again. And that's fine. Newer inspectors or newer realtors. There's a lot more allowance to create, like to, to be, to become accustomed to what new is just because you know yeah. they're, primarily millennials, they understand digital world. They, you know, <laughs> all so many of my, my more established realtors, they're going to call me, even though you can book online so much easier, they're still going to call me. <laughs> they're just, they're just like the good old phone call crawl space. You know, I'm on a roof. The good old like, phone call. Nobody wants to do the calling, but they're still going to do it. Um, I think 
a lot of it is just that the comfort zone that they're in. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a lot of these, a lot of these older, more established women realtors are, they've kind of grown comfortable with men coming in and explaining things out. Like there's a, there's a degree of comfort that you get in having that handled by a dude that a lot of them just don't want to shed. So, it's so well said. I, I think it, there could be a generational piece to this. Uh, yeah. Yep. Kind of a, this is how I grew up. Yeah. The man yep. came in and explained the thing about the home. Yep. Uh, and it makes them feel comfortable. And if that's the way you, that's great. Have at it. Going to be hard to shed. Like the beauty of the new school is that with technology and social media, it's like they are coming in and beating doors down. Like I've seen so many rainmakers come in in a year or two doing crazy volume. Um, yep. Yep. Using all the tools that they have at their disposal. Yeah. Yeah. Creating content, you know, like. I mean, yeah, especially with COVID happening and everything having to go online. Right. Like, there was a big learning curve for a lot of older established realtors that were still trying to put like cell phone photos on listing. It's not going <laughs> to yeah. work anymore. kids. Yeah. And so like this adoption of technology happened in a big flurry, really in a big way. Yeah. And I think it, it bent that market in a direction that it had been resistant to bend uh, for a long time. And I would, I'm going to, I would say this, even if I was a baby boomer, but I, I, I was okay with that balance of power, money, transactions getting smoothed out just a little because I'm like, realtors have had it good for a long time. Like the old guard, they've been crushing it for like 20 years, just like yep. sometimes yep. doing very little work on transactions. So it's like, I can see yes. that because I was a realtor. Yeah, like the big established teams. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's some legacy in this business that can ride off into the sunset because it's like you had your day in the sun. Yep. Let's let, let's let somebody come up and, and I'm kind of, I'm frankly kind of remake the industry because yeah. it, it did get remade. Yeah, it did. It was fascinating to watch how quickly that pivot happened and Matterports got sent out and everyone was like, it, it was go time. Yeah. Like, we're still in the film first... cruise. Mm -hmm. We're early in this uh, sea change, I think too. And, and it's probably no different in the home inspection industry there. There is a certain, um, you know, 20, 30 year vet old guard that probably didn't react too well to the COVID changing and going digital and creating newsletters and content. And, um, and they're probably losing a little bit of business and some of them might be okay with it because it, some of them I think are retiring soon. I mean, yeah, there's, there's pushes of that. I'm seeing that happening in this business too. Really? Are you seeing it in your area? Um, so what's ahead for you? What do, what do you, are you, what are you envisioning if you are at all for the next couple of years, five, 10 years. I'm going to hire somebody else, but the timing on this is tricky because I've got a few people, like I've gotten a few emails of people that were interested in jumping on, mm -hmm. but I, and I, we'd sat down a few times and talked, but the truth is, is like, I don't know what interest rates are going to do because it really, it happened fast where people are still buying houses, but the stress loads have shifted. There's still a stress load. It's not outbidding stress load. Mm -hmm. It's that client stress load of I'm doing this in time where I I feel kind of reticent to do it because I'm still a little bit like I'm still pissed off as sellers. Sellers are pissed off that they're not going to make that money. And then buyers are pissed off that they're going to have to spend that much more on interest. So the the stress burden has just moved. It's changed shape. But people are still buying homes. The exception being the lower price point market it just got decimated like right. 
anything in this city, anyone trying to buy under $400,000 is like priced out. That interest rate hike, just, it took them out. And there has been a bit of a correction price-wise, but that's for fixers. Anything in the city that's dialed or in a good neighborhood is still getting bids. It's still getting, you know, bidding. Still holding steady. Yeah. I mean, not hundred, I mean, for a good while, the expectation for, for buyers was that whatever the price was, expect a hundred thousand over. And that's painful. That feels like fantasy land at this point, but it was real in a place like Denver. Denver wasn't too dissimilar from Portland where that was the norm and people were just coming over the top. Like they have unlimited money. (laughs) Yeah. I grew up in, I grew up in, in park city above Salt Lake city and Salt Lake city did the same thing. Just astronomical growth. So it's, it's this weird, like tale of, you know, two different worlds almost where it's like the people that can buy and tell me if this, if this is accurate with what you're seeing, the people that can buy are flush with cash and they can do it. The people that can't, they're done. They got to wait. They got to wait this out until price decreases make up for that offset and interest. Yep. And that's that, I think that will happen. Yeah, I do, but there's going to be, and especially lower end buyers, they're threading a needle between increased rates and decreased prices. And like the timing is gonna be so important for them. So, I mean, I, I think we're probably gonna see a bit of a cooling and a bit of a, sh- you know, a lot of realtors jumped on during COVID when they left their old businesses. And I think there's gonna be a thinning of the herd there and there's probably mm-hmm. gonna be a thinning of the herd here, but I don't think it's gonna be massive, but I think it, it be. So for me, like investing in a new person, it didn't feel fair to bring someone on and then potentially not have what I wanted to be able to offer them. So I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit for a while, get through this year. If someone comes along, that's just a knockout, then I'll probably invest in them and slough some of my own business so that I can bring them in and they can have a few of mine, but I'm not planning on big growth for the rest of the year. I don't want to, and I, I don't see it being there. Smart. So realistic, I believe, um, with the kind of writing that's on the wall. Um, do you think pre-listing inspections will become a thing now, finally, after, after a 10-year bull market? Or is it just never going to be a thing? I think the time for pre-listing inspections was when everything was bananas because it greased the wheels for those fast closures on a high bidding war. Oh, okay. There was a, a, there was, there was a minute where people were doing, like we, we did a, a, quite a few um, walk and talks you know, the, the consoles. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the methods, but the markets that were just ahead of us, San Francisco and the such were, were going to pre-listing inspections so that that was just done so that like it could just go. There was no other hurdles to be had if that pre-inspection was done. And this city's never been a big pre-listing city. Seattle does a lot more pre-listings for whatever reason, but this, we just never, it's never it's been a part thing of the that culture really happens here. Interesting. It's, I'm so fascinated by the the regional aspect of that, where some coast, some East Coast, Midwest cities, it's like people trust pre-listing inspections and sellers love yeah. them. Yeah, I, I I don't know why those happen, but yeah, there are there there <laughs> regional, and I'm not a good pre-listing inspector. I'm just not because we're really detail oriented and we're really thorough, and we're going to point out missing doorstops, and that's not what a pre-listing inspection is meant for. <laughs> fair, fair enough. So what the, when you think of the thinning, like thinning of the herd with agents, is there anything you're focusing on to almost prepare for that or in anticipation of that? Is it just keeping the good connections you have, or is it just keep doing a good job and good things? Staying as nimble as I can. 
like that's why I don't want to gloat and bring on another person because it's yeah. a bigger ship to to bigger ship to correct. So I'm gonna stay as nimble as I can. Um and just be consistent. Like being consistent when other things are shifting to me is it's a value it, it's a valuable thing for people that are looking for something consistent. And agents when when their world is shifting, they want consistency. Mm. I mean for the same reason that I mentioned with the older guard realtors. Like they want consistency. And so if I delivered them something that they're used to, I'm going to just keep holding on to it. Yeah. Keep delivering, keep communication high. Um, I know and then at some it. point I might have to spend some dollars on advertising. <laughs> yeah. I might have to finally bite, bite the bullet and put some advertising money in, in the coffer. Yeah. That's good to plan for. I think that's a very important point. I think a lot of folks just accept a down market instead of saying, yeah, can I grab a little bit more share in a down market and do a, have a relative win? I like that mindset a lot better rather than saying, oh, we're all just going to get hammered here. Yeah. I mean, given that I've started with, you know, I, I just haven't spent advertising money for me, like putting some towards that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm due quite frankly. Yeah. I've been lucky that I haven't had to. So having to do it, I mean, I just need to buck up and put my big girl pants on and do it yeah. view it as icing on the cake I, that's how i see it where i'm like if you've never yep. had to do it great problem to have good on you for, yep. for yep. doing it the organic way yep um you know you i lost the original calendar invite of the things you put on there what else did you have on there that you wanted to cover because i was searching for it because we rescheduled and then i was just like oh crap there's probably some really good stuff to get into on there wanted to nerd out about that damn electric truck because that damn electric truck is just so exciting the the, the ford f-150 lightning which to me is like the ideal home inspector truck oh. if it works so big like when they bring out a mid-size like if there was an electric ranger or a hybrid electric ranger all over it game over but, for home inspections oh so good so good like there's plugs i could keep my entire charging portal in the front of this truck and charge everything continuously and not have to bring it into the house and back and forth there you know there's a desk in the middle of the seats like it's perfect i am going to get a sponsorship for the podcast i'm going to see if they can pay me a hundred dollars a week uh because you said that really well that was an amazing pitch and it looks good i don't know it, it looks does pretty, it looks pretty slick it's just, it's big. It's a big truck. I'm not used to a full-size truck. I'm used to a Toyota Tacoma, like parking a, and, and right now I'm working out of a Chevy Volt. Like I, everything fits in the back of my sedan. So moving to a truck is going to be a dream. You must have those good collapsible ladders, huh? To, I do. I've got a, a few, of, yeah, a few extended climbs. Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah, this thing looks pretty cool. Isn't it dope? This is my first time seeing it. Like this is insane. Oh god, it's, it's still and the entry level pro is forty thousand dollars. It's approachable. It's affordable. Very for an electric vehicle. That's it's actually it's one of the more it's one of the cheaper electric vehicles on the market at that rate. Good for Ford, especially if they can um, you know, figure out like battery life and kind of do it, you know, copy whatever Tesla's doing to get right on their side. They're actually, they are thinking of going to a um, direct to dealer market for electric vehicles. So there's not going to be for electric vehicles, not going to be any more uh, dealer model. Because the dealership model has been hellacious with electric yeah. vehicles, new, like all these new cars coming out. It's just been a nightmare. And then Tesla went and rewrote the entire book and everyone else loves it. And same with Rivian, like Rivian rewrote, they, they continued on with that direct to, to, um, to consumer. 
So Ford's thinking of doing that and it's, it would be very exciting. I mean, everyone wins with that kind of model, I imagine. Except the dealerships. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there, there's going to be plenty of pushback. I mean, they'll keep the ICE vehicles, but they're probably going to go electric. They're, I mean, all the electric ones. Because the technology is very different. The, you know, the, the repair shops, service, it's all going to be different. Like, trying yep. to incorporate these two kinds of cars, it's not super smooth for dealerships either. You know, the technology base is different. The knowledge base is different. For the most part, the, the consumer base is different. So making them different, there, I mean, the writing's on the wall for it. Wow. That would be, that'd be a, a badass differentiator to pull up in one of those. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, what else is interesting to you nowadays? What else, what else is on your mind? What else? Uh, it could be about anything, really. I mean, at this point, I think we've covered it. We've talked about the market, talked about interest rates hiring women in trades and we've covered most of it i got some good fun standard questions to ask you oh, go fire away besides a potential f f-150 lightning what 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 would be your favorite tool or toy uh in the home inspector space what do you nerd out to people love when I use the drone, they just think it's the bee's knees. <laughs> it's like if there's ever a kid that's on site, they're just they lose their minds. I've chased client children like in the yard with the drone. <laughs> when did you get a drone? When when did you decide like you know what? Get, I think it was Black Friday two years ago. Okay. I I prefer I prefer being on a roof. I love inspecting a roof. I love getting boots on a roof. I'll double ladder a roof. It's never a good idea, but I do it all the time. And then, you know, there was a couple of minutes where, you know, I'm teetering on a ladder on a in you know, three stories up and I'm like, this is dumb. Like this is not smart. Yeah. If I fall, I'm not young anymore. I'm not gonna bounce like I used to. My family relies on I can't I can't keep being stupid. Yeah. So I got a drone to be able to not be stupid anymore. Well, you got cooler, um, you know, you, you lose that. I got notably and... cooler. Yep. Cool points went up through the roof. Um, between those and clear, like those thermal imagers, they're so much fun. And the parlor trick of like, hey, how does it work? And you put your hand on the wall and you show them the hand point. Yeah. Or my other favorite is wherever the realtor has been sitting, you show them where they were sitting. <laughs> yep. Nice and nice and warm. That will probably yep. never fail. Like I, I, the <laughs> average person, if we only see that once every seven to 10 years, every time it's going to be like, Oh, that's badass. Like that's amazing. <laughs> no, I, I, those things are great. They're finding the number of leaks I've found in ceilings that I wasn't going to find otherwise. Amazing. I know they're just wonderful. And C5, like I don't need the gun kind. They're 500 bucks. I've got a few of them. They're so approachable. Fleer so the, will repair them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. What's the model you use? C5, a little handheld one. Looks like a cell phone. Everybody uh, thinks it's right. a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I started with the little dongle on the bottom of my phone, but it kept breaking. So I went yeah. up to a C5. And I mean, it's all I've ever needed. I like carrying a good amount of stuff on my on my belt. Like I have a bigger belt than most people are going to have. Mm -hmm. I don't like going up and down the stairs to get to things that I needed. So I keep as much on that thing as possible. And so it's customized to my needs. Like, you know, I don't even have to, I'm, I don't have to look to grab anything. I actually did a really, <laughs> I took my kids to the coast a couple of months ago. And while they were asleep, I wanted to write down all of the gear that I had 
where I got it, how much it costs so that new inspectors, I could have this kit of like, here's what you need to go get. Here's where you can get it. Yeah. Um, here's what, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, because you do buy two, you buy your gear in phases. Um, and so uh, without looking, because I was away from all my stuff, I went through my entire, my, my belt, my container, my, you know, my toolbox, it's in my car and all of my backups and just wrote it all down from memory. And it was, it was a fascinating exercise in, I in memory. <laughs> love how nerdy this is. The home inspection nerdiness of this level. So did you make, oh, put this on your website? Can we promote No, this? I just have it in a notebook. I have it like, at this point, I've put together a, a notebook of like, here's how you get licensed. Here's the steps. Here's where you go for school. Here's how much it costs. Here's the cost of your first push of tools. Here's the cost of your second push of tools. Like, because as we're doing training, all they need is, you know, 10 things to begin with when right. they're just checking windows and plugs and then as they get better and better they and i'm paying them they can reinvest that money and be able to buy their next few levels of tools so i wanted to make a essentially like a you know how did how to get into this business notebook and a lot of people have looked at it very cool it can be it's a it's a complicated process when you start it but it's not a lot for what you end up getting well, how about if you don't put it on your own site, you give me the list, I'll link to your site from our blog posts, get you some SEO juice. If okay, you want to share that. it broadly, if not, <laughs> if it's trade secrets, we don't have to. <laughs> no, none of it's trade secret. <laughs> but no, when, but for I the agree. most part, we all use the same stuff. Exactly. I agree with you though, that so many new inspectors are just like, oh, I don't know what ladder to get. I don't know what kind of moisture yep. to get. Like, I just want to know what the the experienced uh, industry people are using. So I think- And I've used, I mean, I've gone through a lot of junk. There's some things that you can do that, you know, you can get some tools that are junk, but I mean, like, you know, it's like going to Harbor Freight for a few things. You know, you're going to get, you're going to get garbage. You know what you're getting. You should know what you're trying If it's a one-off, yeah. Always get your tarps at Harbor Freight. (laughs) Grew up going to Harbor Freight with my dad. I'm no Uh stranger. I'm no stranger to uh, the bucks he was saving. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of that, speaking of something you shouldn't do, what, what's something you've learned over the years that home inspectors should never do? Uh, never do. Tell someone how much is left on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I haven't heard that one before. So, so much of it ends up being liability-based. Yeah. yeah so, so much of this is, is like having your liabilities in mind. Ne- I mean, never do is tough never do is really tough. Like, you know, move furniture, never, never move furniture. There's a, you know, there's always that nightmare story of someone moved furniture and then they didn't move all the furniture and now they're screwed because they lost a court case. Um, show up late. It's always a bummer. Uh, not have your tools charged. That's always a bummer. Um, having backups of your vital stuff. I always have backups of all That's my vital. T- big. That's a good, mm-hmm. that's a great one. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all going to be small stuff, poor communication and small stuff, but it, it weighs heavily. Yeah. The details matter a ton. Yeah, um, they do. On, the fl- on the flip side, what advice would you give? Um, and this can be for just any new home inspectors, say, say we're talking women getting in the business. What, what advice would you have that you can do either? I mean, get in it primarily oh this is a realtor hang on one second take that what's up bromberg it's super duper i got a quick minute and then i gotta call you back anything that's, that's super vital oh, no. No, but I... 
Oh, are we talking cancer stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Let me call you. Can I call you tonight when I've got this report done? I mean, if anything, I can tell you what you should get for recovery because there is a few things you should have for recovery. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> no, I am that person. So Glenn and I are going to be we're going to be tag taping this one. Okay. I will. I'll I'll check in with you tonight when our kids are in bed, and we'll see if it works. same all right bye babe also i have very bad boundaries with my realtors for, let's talk about this for a second i love this so it, it, we're like 90 something episodes in and no one's ever taken a live call on the pod so i'm not editing that out because i think this this is cool because it shows you the relationship you know that you have with some of your your agents it's not like this transactional thing like that oh kind of like it was about no. something else and is all no, I, like it just one of the first questions that I ask every realtor when if, if especially if they hang out is like hey what's new in your life like the first five minutes I allocate to like to look at that realtor and say like hey you're a person tell me what's happening because yeah. you know shit is happening in their life and it is amazing so one of the <laughs> one of the things that I used to love and I don't know where this comes from but it's a thing that it's it's to my memory it's always been the case if you looked in my high school yearbook, which I burned and I wish I hadn't, um, you know, the front and the back pages where everyone writes shit, excuse me, yeah. everyone writes things. Yeah. It was just a solid wall of thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Thanks for listening. Ooh. When I was working the counter, my last retail business, one of my, it wasn't a goal, but it was just kind of the way that it worked. At least once a week, someone would cry at the counter. Like someone would just have a moment at the counter and it would just, it just happened. So I think for whatever reason, I have a demeanor. It's probably, it's helped by having bad boundaries, I'm sure. But people tell me things that they don't tell other people. And I've, I've used that as well as I can. And I use it in every transaction that I can. Now, like you're talking to a person, they're having a day. You don't know what that day is it might be wise to acknowledge it. You sound, you seem like one of the best active listeners I've, I've come across. And I think that that shows just even by your statement there, it's a, which is a superpower, I believe in that, in this day and age. It can be tiring. I think if you I don't whip it. out your phone and get on social media while someone's directly speaking to you, you're, you're like already in the top 50% like <laughs> like If you don't just blatantly disrespect someone. When you talk to them. You're ahead of the game. You're um, not wrong. You are not wrong. You mentioned boundaries, and we can touch on this real quick. Um, and then we got to we got to we got to bounce because I know you got important important things to do. Um, some people will hardcore say you got to establish boundaries, or else they're gonna run all over you. Like no one ever talks about the flip side of like you might build amazing relationships too. So there, then you're right. There was a time. I think it was in my 20s, end of my 20s, where I had to run that math of, do I want to continue to be this person and potentially look like an idiot a lot of the time? Because there, you know, there is a high risk of overextending, looking like a chump, looking like a dummy, like whatever you want to call it, being naive. 
And I vacillated back and forth on it. And in the end, like for me, the expense is well worth the payout. And there is a payout, like there is a benefit to it. There's a cost, of course, because all things come with a cost and a benefit. But for me, what I get from other people getting, like I get both as a benefit to my person, hearing all these stories, having those moments, like for me, it's so worth the potential cost of looking like an idiot or making someone uncomfortable or, you know, every, every now and again, getting it wrong then to, to change it. And it's a thing that I don't know, similar to, I, I think it's similar to resilience in that I don't know if you either have it or don't. I don't know if you can learn it. I know you can shut it off, but to me, they're kind of parallel personality traits. And I mean, I, I've benefited far more than I've lost from it. And some people might argue that, but I don't care. They can argue that all they want. I, know, I mean, yeah. I get to, I get to run that cost benefit analysis in my own brain and exactly. I know which way it ends up for me. You know, day to day, what makes a difference and what doesn't, you seemed in tune to these things too, to know that like, you know what, I've connected with this person sometimes because I didn't have boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the people that are boundaried, I can tell quickly and I know to just, you know, we talk about work and that's it. I mean, again, you read the damn room, read the room, read the room. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that came from being a, in the service industry and actually um what's uh, the woman who owns doyan what's her name again Jen. yep we spoke we've spoken a few times and one of the things that we came to consensus about is that this is a business that the best combination and experience base something about having spent time in team sports mm-hmm. having had a, a good amount of retail work to be able to read the room and to balance things and be able to like to juggle a lot of things at the same time. Um, and I mean, those two things are, they're kind of critical. And then of course, having the knowledge base, but that knowledge base can be grown. Those other soft skills, they're much harder to come across. That's what I love about this industry and, and, and you even vocalizing these things because it sets an example that everyone just, there's, there can be a, some people I think that think you have to be a builder to make it. It's like, it's almost the opposite is true nowadays. Like you better be a communicator. You better know how to read people. Yep. You can learn the building stuff. I mean, yeah, that that's the truth. Like you can learn that stuff, but I mean, yeah, the soft skills, they're so much harder to come by. They're valuable. They're, they're, oh, they're, a, tre- so they're a treasure. Valuable. When you find someone with them, you know, hold gold. Them <laughs> gold. don't let them go. Um, all right. Final question. Wish list item for Spectora. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? I was just going through this one thinking, damn it, why won't you figure out how to how to co-click? Like if I if I click one thing, if I click a house age that a series of other things get get clicked automatically, that would oh man, that'd be good. Ooh, I'm gonna write this down. Contingent clicking, I'm gonna call it. That's because like so many things, like if I if I work on a house that was 1930s or or older that lath and plaster is going to get checked, that wiring, you know, you know, pre-87 wiring is going to get checked, that, you know, pre-30s foundation is going to get checked. There's so many things that happen in the 30s that there is kind of a hard line between those two ages of house, and there's a high likelihood that those other things are going to be in play also. Ooh, that's a juicy one. That's so good. Because it's like if-then statements. I just think of it in code of like if-then statements. Yes, like yes. Apply to your reports. 
that could save time. So much sure. time. For sure. So much time. Like if I click LEDs one place, that it's going to click it everywhere else. Mm. Okay. So many, there's so many places where that would just be glorious. I'm officially hyped about that one. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. Oh. Um, I think been that was my biggest. Yeah. That's a great one. If you send me more, email me the others that you have because I have a feeling okay. yours are uh, very well thought through and uh, like efficiency minded as opposed yes, to yes, definitely efficiency minded as yes. opposed to like uh, you know, Kevin, I want my you know margins to be one more pixel PDF. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think that'll help your business. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. How about That's soft cute. skills? How That's cute. Well, thank you. This has been amazing. We've gone, it felt like it's flown by. It's been an hour and 10 minutes, but- uh, It's been an hour and 10 minutes? It's been an hour Ooh, and 10 minutes. Five. We could totally do this again. Um, thank you for spending time and chatting some amazing yeah. stories. Um, I wish you the best of success coming in the back half of this year. I'll be keeping tabs on you. Um, let's check in again, kind of towards Thanks, the year Bob. end. And uh, Contact Nita. Her story's good. Her story's good. The things she's doing are good. Will do. Get oh, her some airtime. Where oh, yeah, and she has her own podcast. She might be able to co-pod. Ooh, I'm always down for that. Sometimes I like being a guest sometimes because I always host. And so sometimes like uh-huh. Yeah, you uh, the script. Uh-huh. Where can people find you? Um, if they have questions, they want to learn more, they want to just network. Where's the best place? Um website, trueinspectionspdx.com. Uh email uh, Amanda at trueinspectionspdx.com. Amazing. Those are the big those are the easiest. I will. Oh, and if you're a texter, because we are all texters, uh, 503-369-8498. That's, that's beautiful. That's, that's, I, I give people props when they just lay it out on the episode and they're just like, text me, text me now. Yep. Yeah. Again, bad boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to lead to some good connections. I promise uh-huh. you the right yep. energy, the right energy will find you. So I'm all about that. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Have a good rest of your day. All right, and, thanks, buddy. Thanks and for letting me do Get that tool list on your website. Yep. People will go to that. Okay. All right. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. I'll get there. All right. Thanks, bud. Awesome. See you. Bye.